every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Jessica Gilmartin. Jessica is the Chief Marketing Officer at Calendly, where she's responsible for leading all aspects of marketing, including brand awareness, creative, demand gen, and product marketing. Jessica has 20 years of marketing and leadership experience, and most recently, she was Head of Revenue Marketing at Asana, where she led product and sales-led growth business integrations. On this episode, Jessica shares her expertise with PLG and SLG hybrid strategies, highlighting crucial elements necessary for companies to thrive using this approach. Plus, we dive into the significance of communicating a value proposition targeted towards enterprises and much more. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Demand Gen Visionaries is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified is the pipeline generation platform for revenue teams that use Salesforce. You can intelligently grow your pipeline by understanding the signals of buying intent and having real-time conversations right on your website. You can learn more at qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Jessica Gilmartin, CMO of Calendly, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. Today, we are joined by a special guest, Jessica, how are you? I am great, thank you. How are you doing, Ian? Excited to have you on the show. Excited to chat about marketing and demand and all the really cool stuff that y'all are doing at Calendly. Before we get into all that, what was your first job in marketing? My first job in marketing was at Dell in Austin, Texas, and I was a brand manager for our services business. So I was the person trying to get you to upgrade like when your laptop breaks to get you to upgrade the service. So incredibly annoying, but very important and high margin. So it was, it was a good, good way to get myself introduced to marketing. Oh, that is, that's really funny. What a, that really is a, a great one. I worked a long time ago on a, on a similar type of for, for Dell about getting, getting your stuff fixed. So that's funny. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we worked on it together. I know, right? <laughs> I was just thinking some of the advice. Okay. So flash forward to today. Tell us about your role at Calendly. So I just joined in January, so brand new. I'm the chief marketing officer of Calendly. Have you done an interview yet or is this your first one as CMO? This is my first one. I've done some yeah. written ones. This is my first podcast. Huzzah. Here <laughs> we are. So exciting. So tell us a little bit about, about your, your thought process coming into the role. Yeah, so I had been very fortunate to be at Asana for the past two and a half years, which is an amazing company. Saw it through tremendous growth during you know the, the 2020 to 2022 years. And this was really my first introduction to PLG SLG hybrid. And it was so incredibly interesting. And I have to say for anyone that has done both, I would say that trying to do a PLG SLG hybrid business from a marketing perspective is about 1000 times harder than trying to do either PLG or, or SLG on its own. So I came from an enterprise marketing background, very traditional, you know, reaching out to one single buyer and really having to figure out how to integrate the two and like still have that amazing bottoms up model, but then add on to it and integrate a tops down approach 
is so hard. It's, it is basically like having two different marketing teams and two different sales teams. And so what I discovered, I actually really loved it. Like I love the complexity. I love the challenges and I love the democratization of, of it, right? So you, you have to really create a product that people love in order to be successful in a PLG motion and an SLG motion. And so, but it was time for me to move on from Asana and sort of, I, I had always, my intention had always been to move back into a CMO role. I had been CMO of smaller startups before. And so when I was looking into, you know, what my next career move would be, I really wanted to continue on that path. I really wanted to look for a company that had amazing PLG chops and incredible PLG motion and figure out how to build and integrate an SLG motion on top of it, because there's actually not that many people that have done it and seen it. And I thought I could bring a lot of that experience. And so when I was looking around, I talked to a few companies. And as soon as I met Tope, our CEO of Calendly, and heard his vision and understood you know, what the company was trying to do, it just, to me, was an absolute match made in heaven. And I knew I wanted to come on and I thought I could really make an impact and, and bring that value of having seen it at Asana, but hopefully doing it even better at Calendly. Okay, let's get to our first segment, The Trust Tree. With the knowledge you've been given... You are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree with, in the nest, are we not? Where we go and feel honest and trusted, and you can share those deepest, darkest demand gen and marketing secrets. What does Calendly do? Who are your customers other than Caspian Studios, which is a customer of Calendly, and we love you all very much? So I think pretty much everybody knows what Calendly does. So we're that lake that you get every time somebody wants to schedule an email with you. And it is absolutely magical. We have over 10 million people that use it. And it works so much better than people saying, hey, I'm ready. I'm available Friday from 10 o'clock to 10.30 and next Saturday from 1 to 2 p.m. And it worked magically. And I think the exciting opportunity for me and one of the reasons I joined was that we are that and so much more. Right. So we really are a scheduling automation platform that serves individual users as well as really large enterprises. And we really focus on four different types of users. So we focus on recruiters and we make the scheduling of really advanced interview paddles incredibly magically easy. Another one of our core customers are customer support folks, again, who are interacting and trying to engage and having high volumes of conversation with their customers. And we make that process very, very easy marketers. So we make the routing of leads from to sales very easy and very streamlined so that sales people can get to leave quicker. And then the final is salespeople. And I think that that's probably what most people are familiar with from a Calendly perspective is it just removes the many, many back and forth between prospects and customers and our salespeople so that salespeople can accelerate their deal cycles. And I think the, the most important thing that we do is we have a really safe and secure platform with a lot of data and a lot of automation and a lot of integrations with other important enterprise platforms so that mm-hmm. an entire company could use Calendly. Yeah. And so Calendly obviously started as a PLG company a decade ago. I remember, I can't remember the first time I used it. It was a long, long time ago. It had to be like seven years ago, probably. I was pretty, pretty early. And now y'all are working with mid-market. You're working with large enterprises like Twilio and Okta and Zendesk and Gusto and all those sort of people. So how do you sort of evolve your marketing strategy as you're, as you go sort of up market? Yeah. So that's where that whole, you know, having two marketing teams sort of comes into play. And I think what, what's really important, I think the, the interesting part about it is that so many companies start from start their journey, thinking of it as two separate funnels. Now I've talked to so many different companies that 
have been moving up market. And they, it's almost like they think about it cannibalizing their existing business. And it's really hard not to think that way because you actually are creating teams. And most companies are creating like an SLG team and a PLG team. And so they actually fight with each other about, hey, when like, you know, leads come to the website, should we prioritize, you know, having them contact us for sales leads or should we have them prioritize signups? And then, you know, how do we prioritize when those signups occur? What do we do with them, right? Do we risk interfering with the signup experience and having them go to sales? And so it ends up being almost like turf wars and it, and it ends up being really challenging conversations around what do we prioritize? My perspective is very, very different, which is it's one customer. That you take a customer-centric approach, which is we need to do what's best for the customer and create all the opportunities for the customer to do what's right by them. The decisions actually become very easy. And so the way that I think about it from a marketing perspective is, you know, it's always still a customer who has a problem to solve and our job is to figure out how to help them solve it. And so, you know, when they come to our website, how do we give them equal opportunities to make the decision that's right for them and to give them the information that they need? whether that is signing up for a product or whether that is filling out a form to talk to sales. And then every single step of the journey, we're again, giving them opportunities to decide what's right for them. And whether that is continuing their journey as a individual sign up and hopefully giving, you know, giving us a credit card and they can just become very successful, you know, sort of self-serve customers or whether it's enabling them to understand like, hey, there's more, right? There's more to Calendly and if you're part of a larger team Maybe you're interested in talking to a salesperson so you can learn more. And then maybe if you are a salesperson that is has a larger team on Calendly, hey, maybe you would love to get your marketing team involved. Maybe you'd like to get your recruiting team involved. You could have a larger conversation around Calendly for your entire enterprise. And so I really just see it as a continuum and as a journey. Always focus on what's best for the customer. Yeah, it's so interesting with these with the enterprise accounts where, and this is something, you know, I, uh, Caspian worked with Asana on was the sort of like getting in front of the CIO in a meaningful way because you have, oh, we have 17 different teams using Asana, for example, (laughs) or Calendly. I'm sure you have the same thing happening all over Mm -hmm. the place with sales and recruiting and all that stuff. But at some point, somebody starts, you know, whether it's in finance or in in IT or wherever, starts to say, wait a second, like we're using this company, like we're using this tool all over the place. Why don't we start to up-level the conversation? And when you can go to those people with that, insight and say, hey, this is how y'all are using it. That's a really advantageous place to be. Oh, 100%. So I think that to me, what, two of the most important things that you need to be a successful PLG SLG hybrid, number one is data. So really understanding the usage of all the teams, all the individuals within a company and understanding how those teams relate to each other. And so because that's the only way that you can have that meaningful conversation and also understand what are the companies that are ripe to have that conversation with. I mean, one of the best and the worst parts of having a PLG business is you have thousands, if not millions of companies to go after. You know, that's literally the opportunity is endless. And so the only way that you can help your sales team prioritize is to give them really good data about who are the teams that are using it and what does that mean, right? So like, what does that usage mean and how can they leverage that to have a conversation? with folks in IT, with procurement, with, you know, with the finance. And the second part of that, once you understand those customers that are most right for expansion, is how do you provide that value story? And that can really be challenging sometimes in, in a PLG-led business because it is so focused. Typically, your sales and your marketing are so focused on adoption. It's just focused on, hey, 
getting individual users to use it, that it's, it's sometimes hard to take a step back and say, if I were talking to someone in IT or someone in finance that is not a user of this product, how do I demonstrate the value? How do I make sure they understand why somebody should go from 15 different individual plans to one broader enterprise plan, which generally costs more money and, and also has a tax on the IT team to be able to manage it. And that's, you know, again, where you just need different capabilities from a marketing perspective. You need a product marketing team that can tell that story that is able to articulate why your product is important in the tech stack and then real value. You know, it's, it's so easy to go to time savings or productivity. That's generally not what IT cares about. That's generally not what finance cares yep. about. And so how do you move from a story of productivity and time savings to a story of business value and ROI? So those are like two really, really important things from a marketing perspective that you need as you move up market. It's such a great point. When I, I had a conversation with a handful of CIOs like years ago, it's probably five years ago, and we were talking about Zoom. And I was like, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand why all three of you who are like some of the smartest CIOs, like why you all love this product so much. And they're like, oh, it's just so easy to manage from a CIO perspective. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, you know, like all the other stuff, like all the features and functionality and all that, that, that was not what they were talking about. They were just talking about the actual management from an IT perspective and being able to roll that out to their organization. And like, that's the sort of thing where it's like those enterprise level deals that were happening for those particular accounts had so much, or such a different motion than what the other accounts were. And like these CIOs were treated really well by the, by that team. And I always, that always just stuck with me where it's like the reason why those CIOs were buying is completely different than what the end user cares about, like polar opposite things that they care about. And I mean, you just articulated that, you know, exactly right. Well, that that's the interesting thing that we're seeing. And I saw it at Asana and I see it at Calendly. And I think most companies are experiencing this, which is you do have this very healthy tension between tool proliferation and user adoption and needs, right? So an, an IT leader is very incentivized to have the minimum number of tools. And so when they're looking at their, their tech stack and they're saying, why can't we just use X or Y? We already use them for our email. We already use them for our messaging. We already use them for a video. Why can't we just use them? They have, they have a product and it looks like it works. <laughs> and so that is their incentive. And then you have individual users who are, you know, are, have very specific needs and they're generally not met by the larger platforms. And so you have this really interesting tension that goes back and forth about you know, how do you make the right decisions for the company that both support security and adoptability and manageability, but also support those power users who need the more sophisticated platforms to do their job. And so I think it's like our job as marketers to educate the folks that are making decisions in IT and finance about why you know, the, the default isn't good enough and why it is important and it is valuable to the company to add another tool to their tool set because they really don't want to do it. Any other thoughts on the, the PLG, SLG? I mean, I, we could literally do an entire episode just on this because there's so mm -hmm. many different things there. I mean, 
Yeah. I don't, and any other things on, on PLG, SLG and, and, and how marketers should think about it if you are doing both and if you are moving up market? I'd say the, the number one thing, and this is just very top of mind for me because it's what I'm thinking about now, is that it is, it's easy to get bogged down in, in a lot of tweaks on the margin. And it's easy to get bogged down on you know, sort of small things that you could do or being really reactive. And I'd say what I would encourage everybody to think about as they are moving up market, how do you make sure that every single person on your team is laser focused on the things that matter the most? So you know, if you think about the journey, make sure you document the journey from the beginning and, and really understand what are the hot spots. So if you document, how do people find you? What do they do on your site? What do they do when they sign up? What do they do when they become a lead? What do they do when they get to sales? How do they progress from a, an individual sign up to a team sign up to hopefully an expansion? Document all of that along with all the data points around conversion rates and, and size. And then just pick a couple to really focus on because it, it can feel really overwhelming because there are so many touch points and there are so many things that you have to do and you've got to have you know, a ton of engagement with the sales team and they need so many materials and you need to do expansion, you need to do seed and you need to do land and it can feel like, gosh, you have to do everything, but you can't. And so starting with what's the customer journey? Where are the areas where we feel like we have the most opportunity either from a just pure volume perspective or from a, you know, sort of a conversion perspective and then only do those, make those your KRs. I think you'll, you'll benefit a lot and you'll give your team a lot of clarity where they probably are sort of floundering a little bit because they're trying to do everything. Yeah. That's really cool. I um, I know that one of the things, which we don't really need to get into, but th- that when you have sort of that where the rubber meets the road on the rep saying, is this person my sale or not sort of thing. I know that that's something that, you know, always ends up being a really difficult choice for companies to make of like, hey, you know, I've talked to this person five times, then they signed up on the website or, hey, I emailed them five times. They never responded. But now they signed up through the website and like those sort of things. It's tricky, you know, it's tricky stuff. I don't know if you have any thoughts there or we could kind of just keep going. Yeah, if you think about it, you don't really want to pay a salesperson for a deal that would have come in anyway. Their job should be to create new sales, should not, it should not be to facilitate sales that would have come in. So the job from a marketing and product perspective is to make it as easy and delightful experience as possible to sign up. And if you do that, then the only customers that should be going to sales are ones that have questions, need more you know, sales enablement, need more materials, and are, should be signing larger deals. And what you should be doing is figuring out how do you create the right experience, the right routing, the right logic so that salespeople are talking to the highest value customers that can close the largest deals. Getting back to some of the organizational structure stuff, you mentioned sort of you know, earlier in your career, this idea of like building two different sales teams, two different marketing teams, that, that whole piece is really, really challenging for most people. How do you, how do you organize your team now at, at Calendly? How do you think about doing that? Yeah, so I have a very typical team. So I've got a head of, you know, content, a head of demand gen, a head of growth marketing, head of PMM, head of brand. So I think they're very, they're set up in a very traditional marketing format. I think the big difference is that each of them have to think about the different parts of the business. And I think most importantly is that one of the big things that I did when I came is 
really heavily focus them on our move to enterprise. You know, it's very easy for people to sort of get stuck in the same type of work that they've always been doing and really just continuing to do the things that got us here. And what I want to make sure is that we are moving up market, still thinking about the business as two parts of the same funnel. So still focused on driving signups, but then how do we turn those signups into expansion opportunities with our mid-market enterprise customers? And do you, do you work a lot on, you know, like building like a sales enablement function and those sort of things feels like that would be a lot newer with, you know, going into mid-market and enterprise, obviously, right? Yeah. So I think one of our newest teams is our solutions marketing team, which is really focused on how do we think about specific personas and specific verticals, which is very new and much more traditionally enterprise. I feel very lucky that I inherited a really strong team. You know, you never know what you're going to come into when you join a company. And I feel very grateful that my team is really strong, really motivated. And I think just needed a little bit more direction in terms of the way to go. But they're they're all fantastic. And so I'm like, it was amazing. <laughs> it was, I feel very, very lucky because, you know, lots of people come into very different situations when they join as a new CMO. And any thoughts to, you know, coming into a remote only environment? Yeah, it's really hard. It was so interesting when I joined Asana. I also joined during the pandemic and that was my first remote role. And, and I think it was actually one of the best things that had happened to me because my team was global. I think I had teams in eight or nine different countries. And so I actually had to learn really good habits from the beginning. And I think being remote only is, is actually a real big benefit because even in, even when you're in an office environment, the reality is, is there's almost no companies in the world unless you're a teeny startup where everybody is actually in the same office. You know, you're always going to have contractors. You're always going to have folks in Europe or, or Asia or even other parts of the country. And just having the right discipline from the beginning of thinking about everybody with access to the same level of information is so incredibly important. And so, you know, I learned at Asana to do everything async. So I, I really, and I, I don't love doing it, but I learned to do it, which is moving towards lots of written communication, lots of videos, having meeting times that you, you know, sometimes you span and do a Europe friendly, sometimes you do a APAC friendly, lots of just really thinking very deliberately about creating an inclusive environment. Most people don't have to do that. And it's really easy to fall into lazy habits of just doing everything like tapping somebody on the shoulder. And you can't do that in a remote environment, which I actually think is really great so that it democratizes access to information for everybody in the country. All right, let's get to our next segment, the playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. This is where you open up the playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win. What are your three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items? So number one is clearly email. So email is the absolute best way for you to reach customers when they have signed up and are still considering you versus your competitors or versus the status quo. So it's unbelievably important to have a great email strategy and to constantly A-B test it. And number two is our webinars. So I really believe very, very strongly in webinars. They are fantastic ways to think about both top, mid, and bottom of the funnel. So great from a just getting people to engage with you and to create opportunities for them to think about your product in a more strategic and different ways. 
So, you know, I'm a really big fan of bringing in third-party experts, just generally helping people do their job better. And then all the way through, okay, maybe you are a person that has a 20-person team. So let's give you information about how to engage better and how to use the product better and how to think about not just a 20-person team, but hopefully for 50 people or 100 person in your company. So webinars are absolutely a must-have. And then the third one, I don't know, there, there's so many different possibilities, right? I'd say, you know, Google is is obviously a, a must-have. I think that's pretty standard. And if all that I do know, then I would sort of put that in the category because it's just like, you just have to do it. So I'll go with LinkedIn just because I think it's been really interesting to try some different experiments, especially if you know your persona and you can do some really interesting experiments. Well, and, and I'm so curious, you have these distinct personas that are so different from a business standpoint. And I'm sure that with these enterprise accounts, it, it's an extremely different type of a sale because, you know, selling to recruiting and selling to sales are like, you know, oh, I guess they're kind of similar in some ways, but are very different. And so I'm curious, like, how do you think about shaping these accounts, these lar- very large enterprise accounts when they have all these different personas in them? That's where you have to have that value story. And that's where you have to tell the story of why Calendly makes sense across an organization. And that usually comes down to things like manageability and extensibility, integrations with other major platforms. Security is a really, really important part of it. And so I think that's that's where you have to tell a story around business value and why having a recruiting team and a sales team and a support team on Calendly is better than having a recruiting team with its own set of tools and a sales team with its own set of tools and marketing team with its own set of tools. So it really comes down to the story and it comes down to the data. And and I think it comes down to what IT cares about, which we talked about at the beginning, which is around manageability and and absolutely security is is number one, incredibly critical. Any thoughts on measuring success? You know, we talked a lot about the sort of tactics and piece there. So it's it's so interesting. I was just having this conversation with with the person today who runs our paid advertising. And I think it is so dependent upon the channel. So I think what's to me what's really important is that you very clearly define success by channel and you don't try to mix and match. So, you know, Sam who runs our PR, she's the one that helps set this great interview up. Sam. You know, she, she <laughs> hello Sam. So she and I talked a lot about like what's what's my definition of success for PR. To me, it would be ridiculous to say the definition of success for PR is the number of people that come to our website, the number of leads and revenue we get. That's not how PR works, right? Like if you get a hit in the Wall Street Journal, they're not linking to your website and you're not, you shouldn't be expecting, you know, thousands of people to come. Yep. You should be expecting that you're able to tell your story in a different way to different people. And so what's really important is that you identify what do you want to accomplish with that channel up front? And then make sure that you have very clear objectives. And in my case, what I care about is that you know, everybody knows Calendly. I don't want more hits about Calendly as a, as a scheduling link. What I want is for people in IT or heads of recruiting or heads of sales to read about Calendly as an enterprise scheduling platform. And yep. so what I said, our success looks like, you know, X number of press articles in Y publications telling this story. And we define it up front and then we look at the back and say, did we achieve this? Did we get into X publications? And you're talking to Y people. And I don't care at all about the revenue from that because I know it's indirect. Then on the flip side, you've got paid advertising and 
very clearly defined, right? So I am, if I am spending, you know, X millions of dollars on Google or Facebook or YouTube, I'm expecting very clear results from it. So I'm expecting to see a certain number of leads that turn to a certain number of MQLs, that turn to a certain number of opportunities, that turn to a certain number of sales. And I expect that to be reported on every single week. And the way that I sort of think about it is that the better a handle I have on the, those channels from a demand perspective and from a budget perspective, the more opportunity I have to ask for money to support things that don't directly drive revenue, right? So if I can show that I'm really intelligent and really thoughtful around, you know, if you give me X millions of dollars, I can give you Y result and, and stick to that. Then I can start to ask for money that does not have a very specific return and particularly things like brands, right? So, you know, billboard and video ads and PR and influencer marketing, those are not going to have a direct influence on revenue, but they're really important from a long-term brand perspective. But I need to earn the right to ask for that money. And, and that happens over time. I agree. It's like every time you compare, you know, apples to oranges on these stats, you're like, you're never going to, you're never going to match up. But someone sitting and listening to a 30-minute podcast episode or a webinar or reading your article in the New York Times or whatever it is, is a completely different thing than them clicking on an ad and going to the website. Not that one is better or worse, but it's just they're very different and you need to shape the market in, in multiple ways. Yeah, I mean, obviously having somebody listen to this podcast and listening to me talk about Calendly for 45 minutes is very different than somebody looking at a 30-second video ad. And there's no way that you can measure them the same and I don't expect anybody listening to this call to be like, I need Calendly right now. Maybe you will. And I appreciate it if you did. But maybe when, you know, a salesperson reaches out or they see it, you know, you see an ad, more likely to respond because you've sort of heard heard this and you've heard the story and you understand what we're trying to do. So it's just to me, it's they're very different. And and I think if you try to create exact parallels, you're you're not going to be successful. And I think you're going to unfairly cut out certain channels and certain tactics that could be really valuable in the long run. I, I think all the time about Airbnb. And I think, you know, nobody has done brand marketing better than them. And you know, who who wouldn't want to be Airbnb? And I think like that's so important for people to understand is that you can't measure everything that they've done. But man, they've been successful. Yeah. On that note, so Calendly just made an announcement about a new product design to help better connect sales and marketing because sales and marketing is you know forever a pain point. We kind of talked through some of the pieces here with PLG and SLG and all that stuff. Can you tell us more about the the, the product announcement? I know this is brand new. Yeah, and it's brand speaking new. So it's called lead routing, advanced lead routing. We're really excited about it. I think the the interesting thing about this is is a little bit of a different sales model. And so it is it's less of a PLG motion and it's more directly supporting marketers who are trying to create better opportunities to tie leads to sales. I think the, the general problem that every marketer knows is that somebody comes to your website, they fill out a form, it goes into some kind of void. Somebody at some point does either manual routing or automatic routing where they figure out, okay, is this lead valuable? They do enrichment, they match it to Salesforce, they get it to a salesperson, hopefully the salesperson looks at it on their queue, and then they email the, the lead and they go back and forth five times to try to get a meeting. And at that point, it has been God knows how long. Um, and maybe the lead is still interested in talking to you or maybe they have completely forgotten about it. 
So that that probably is something that everybody, I certainly have experienced it and it's probably something that everybody has experienced. And so what our lead routing does is it eliminates all of that. And it's pretty amazing. So somebody comes, a lead comes to your website, it automatically links to things like HubSpot or Marketo. So somebody fills out a form and then it uh, on the back end, it links to Salesforce so they can actually look up, is this an existing account? Is this a lead that we want? Great. Ian is the salesperson that's responsible for this account. And then it will automatically provide a calendar link with Ian's availability. And then the lead can just set up time with Ian. And it's just like all this magical work that normally happen over many days or weeks. It now just happens immediately. And so the customer has a really fantastic experience and they can talk to their salesperson right away. I love it. It's so great. And I am... I am here for it. Speed it all up. Speed it up. Talk to sales faster. The, there's an amazing stat that 50% of customers go with the company that responds to them first. Yeah. So, I mean, which totally makes sense. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, when you think about most customers are doing their research and they're looking at three or four or five different companies and they're probably reaching out to all of them in their moment of need. And it's like, whoever responds to them and gives the information and gives them a reasonable price, they're probably going to go with. And you just want to be first. And it's really hard these days with all of the tooling and all of the integrations and all of the systems that we have to, to do. Yeah, we won, a, we won an RFP recently where we submitted our proposal first. Well, first ain't better, to be honest. But, but yeah, no, of course. It's like, no, if you if you respond well throughout the process, like that is your customer experience, right? Like that's the whole thing. Like how quickly you can book a meeting with sales. That is your customer experience. Yeah, it's so interesting. I, I, one of the things that I love as a marketer is to look at, you know, Slack channel. We have it Asana and Calendly. It's, you know, kind of our, our wins channel where people sort of talk about, salespeople talk about their big wins. And it's the most interesting thing from a marketing perspective to sort of understand why you win deals. And so much of it comes down to the experience. So much of it comes down to the rapport that a salesperson builds and the confidence and the trust that they build throughout the process. And you know, making somebody feel like you are a partner to them and not a vendor. And it starts from that very, very beginning interaction to all the way through signing the contract and hopefully, you know, past that as well. Because, you know, we where as a as a customer, even if it's not our money, it's our company's hard-earned money. And, you know, we want to be good corporate citizens. We want to be good stewards. We want to make the right decision. And, you know, having a salesperson and having working with a company that creates that trust and confidence is so incredibly important. How do you view your website? So we have a lot of opportunity. We're really excited about upgrading and updating our website. So our, our, I think our website is incredibly good from a sign-up perspective. I think it's one of the best websites from a, if you, if you go to our website, you understand exactly what we do and we make it really easy for you to sign up. I think it's super clean. I think one of the big opportunities we have is to tell that enterprise story and to tell the value story and to enable people to understand that we're much more than a scheduling link. So that's one of my very big KRs for the next quarter and probably the next few quarters. Exciting. I love it. That's a that's a fun, I, it'll be really fun to, to chat again in, in six months or so and, and hear how that journey is evolving. Let's get to the dust up. Uh-oh. Here comes trouble. You may have heard that there was a dust up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly. As we've got punches and kicks. Where we talk about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your sales teams, your competitor, or anyone else. 
Jessica, have you had a memorable dust up in your career? Oh, I had a lot of them. We just had one where we had a we had a a company reach a competitor reach out to us because we were comparing ourselves to them and they were unhappy with the comparison. And it was actually really interesting because it led us to have a lot of really interesting philosophical conversations around how we think about ourselves versus competitors and how we talk about ourselves. And in my my history, I've always taken the high road. And I've always been of the mind that we should you know, share what we are, you know, why, why we are the best company for the customer's needs, but in a way that does not denigrate our competitors. And that's always been my philosophy. And I think that's been a philosophy that I have shared with Calendly, which is, hey, there are ways with which we can educate our customers about the right approach to making decisions, which we believe is our approach, without, in, without mentioning competitors or without sort of saying anything negative. I, I always believe there's room for everybody and healthy competition is really good. And so that was kind of a very recent dust up. And I think it was like my second week at Calendly that I had to negotiate <laughs> that. So that was kind of an interesting, it, it, was, it was interesting to understand, you know, what the current value and cultures were, you know, how my CEO thought about it, how my team thought about it, and sort of how we can allay concerns from the sales team around sales enablement while also being true to our value. All right, let's get to our final segment, Quick Hits. These are quick questions and quick answers, just like how quickly you can talk to someone if you go to qualified.com. Qualified helps companies generate pipeline faster, tap into your greatest asset, your website, to identify your most valuable visitors and instantly start sales conversations quick and easy, just like these questions. Go to qualified.com to learn more. Jessica, Quick Hits, are you ready? I'm ready. Number one, do you have a hidden talent or skill that's not on your resume? So between my first and second year at Wharton, I spent the summer playing poker in Atlantic City. So I'm, I at least was a pretty decent poker player. Do you have a favorite book, podcast, or TV show you've been checking out recently? We just finished Magpie Murders on PBS, a great book Ooh. and great TV show. What advice do you have for a first-time CMO trying to figure out their marketing or demand gen strategy? Prioritize. Great advice. Jessica, it's been awesome having you on the show. For our listeners, go to Calendly.com. If you're a big enterprise company, go talk to your CIO and CFO and give them the old elbow and say, hey, why don't we, why don't we go buy a bunch of Calendly right now and, <laughs> and obviously check out the new, new product offering. Jessica, any, any final thoughts? This is a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Thanks, thanks so much. Demand Gen Visionaries is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com conversational marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way B2B companies sell. Go to qualified.com to learn more.